Okay, we're live. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On today's show, I have a very special guest, a returning guest. His name is Ken and me. I've done many interviews, probably close to 20, of mostly of his books. But we have a mutual interest in West Memphis 3. And he did some research a while back, and I've been going through some of my old archives. I've posted audio onto my podcast if you want to check that out. But uh, he went through and, and looked at some of the publicly available pictures of Eccles. It, it seems like he wanted to get a handle on it, just like I did at the same time, around the same time, maybe 2012, 2013, 2014. So these are some dated pictures from back then, but there's about 80 to 90 of them. And I think they're kind of instructive. And we were talking the pre-show. You know, this is a way of kind of insight into person's characters, what they post on social media. So we're just going to kind of comment, go through these slides. Ken's going to talk about his background, his interest. So, Ken, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me again. Awesome, man. So for people who haven't heard our earlier shows or anything, can you kind of talk about some of the books, your interests, and how you kind of got interested in the West Memphis Three? Oh, good timing. I actually just finished writing another book, and um, all I need to do is fix up the cover, and it'll be ready to go. Nice. What's the title? Do you have a title? This one is going to be called uh, The King, Og of Bashan is Dead. What's it about? Yeah, so it's about the character that's named in the Bible, uh, King Og. And he was um, one of the, he was a refa, and he is known to have ruled over a region called Bashan. That's why he's called Og of Bashan. And, you know, what's funny is a, a friend of mine said, oh, so what does the Bible say about him? And I said, uh, well, virtually nothing. And he, and he asked me, well, then how are you going to write a book about him? And the answer to that question is laid out in the book. <laughs> it's, nice. um, I kind of walked him through, why is this guy even an issue when the Bible says nothing about him? And it's kind of been typical throughout history, actually, that people like to take characters about which the Bible says hardly anything at all, and they write what we could call historical fiction about them or folklore. So that in, in folklore, uh, Og does all kinds of things, right? He's a, like a super-duper character, and much is made of him that we couldn't back with any evidence whatsoever. Uh, for instance, some people put him way, way back in pre-flood days, and he uh, survived the flood by hanging onto the ark, the outside of the ark, and uh, you know Noah feeds him through the window, and he's a quote-unquote giant. And all, all kinds of crazy stuff about him that's obviously folkloric. But, and this does tie into some of the shows we've done in the past. What happens is when the pop researchers of neo-Nephilology, right? Uh, right? Nephilim studies. Yeah, we've done a show on that. Yeah. When those guys get a hold of him, all of a sudden, this guy who was a refa, and for all we know, just a regular guy who was a king, all of a sudden, he is a Nephil, so he's like a half-breed hybrid, and he somehow survived the flood or, may, or, or is just um, the offspring of uh, newly born post-flood Nephilim, which is totally not a biblical teaching. And since he's a Rafa, then he's also like a, some sort of living dead entity. I mean, just... That, that's how you end up realizing why I refer to what these guys are doing 
not as biblical nephilology, but as neo-theo sci-fi. That's really what it is. And so, well, that's how I ended up with a whole book about a guy who's hardly mentioned in the Bible. It's more about how people speak about him and not just the pop researchers, but also a lot of scholars. And I'm thinking, my goodness, what are you guys going on and on and on about? Because uh, you have data points, but the way you connect them is just not legitimate. And, and by the way, so the second I was done with that book, I had to uh, go to the next one in my series about reviewing movies with alien and UFO themes. And so I, I had one that was almost done. So I editing that one. And then the second I'm done with that one, meanwhile, I've been <laughs> trying to finish off of another book in a series, which is about the Great Flood, Noah's Flood, the Deluge. So I'm working on volume two. So I pretty much just have book after book after book that I need to just polish off. You know, you know me. <laughs> no, you've been busy. You are busy. You are a very consistent publisher. So. Let me know when you publish that book. I'll have you back on. We can talk about it. Oh, appreciate it. So now in this case, what clued me into the, and, and maybe you should give a little tiny bit of background about the crime, because um, when you're talking about the West Memphis Three and Damien Eccles in particular, he's just one of the young men who was actually convicted and convicted more than once for uh, the murder of three children. And so what clued me in on that was really your book on the West Memphis Three. And then I started just becoming interested in Damien Eccles, the person himself, and how does he portray himself? How does he, what does he reveal about his own character? What kind of messages is he putting out there for us to kind of get to know his, his interests and all of that? So this is what tonight's show is really about it's i did want you to talk about the crime for a second for those who aren't aware but this show isn't about the crime this show is about one of the individuals involved and kind of um you know how he sort of exposes himself to the public literally to the public on the world wide web right so there's tons of information out there he's active on social media he has very famous friends which we're going to go through, but the crime happened May 5th, 1993. Three young boys disappeared, later found the next day, submerged in water with sticks, uh, beaten. I mean, the, the forensics are really graphic and brutal. Um, there was all kinds of rumors about people. There were suggested people who did it. Uh, eventually, they actually interviewed Eccles. He clammed up. He, I think he failed his polygraph test, but... Uh, then a month later, June 5th, 1993, June 3rd, excuse me, uh, Jesse Miss Kelly was brought in. He confessed. He implicated Eccles and uh, another guy, Jason Baldwin. They were all arrested. Uh, <clears throat> Miss Kelly asked to have be separated or bifurcated from the other two people who were involved, supposedly involved in the crime. There were two trials. They were all three were found guilty in two separate trials by 12 juries in each trial. And that would happen in 1994. And then, it, you know, it just was a saga. They eventually got let out. Uh, they used an offer play bargain with the new prosecutor in Arkansas and got out, used an offer plea, which was a Supreme Court case. 
allows you to proclaim innocence while even declaring guilty. They signed on the lotted, uh, dotted line for pleading guilty to first-degree murder. And there was all kinds of... Okay, Ken has just dropped off. There's all kinds of uh, elements in the case. There were all kinds of statements about occultism or esotericism interests. Uh, the, the police statements were very full, chock full of all kinds of people that they interviewed. And I've kind of gone through, really, if people are interested, they can go to my podcast. Most of my information is on the podcast, but you'll see I've read into the record some of these old case files and, and statements to police involving occultism, things like that. So um, that's kind of a rough overview. My book was done in 2012, one year after they got out. And uh, there was a lot of research done. And Eccles, since his release, you know, he got tattoos all over his body. He actually said, I think in one of my last interviews or, or uh, streams, he said he was going to turn his body into kind of a magical book. So he's got all kinds of symbols. And, and Ken got a lot of pictures of those as well. But the, uh, yeah, there was just a lot of things involved. He got out, he's, he's written books about occultism. He's admitted to certain things. Um, and he seems to have associated, there's pictures in here of him with another occultist, Genesis Peorage. Um, and yeah, so there's, there's a lot, of, there's a lot of stuff going on. So that is basically the overview of the West Memphis three. I just finished it, Ken. If you want to just take it from here, go for it. Yes. So, um, again, my interest was focusing in on Eccles because, uh, as far as I know, the other two guys disappeared off the face of the earth. Right? They're not—they're not milking this thing. They're not essentially making a career out of it. They're—they're they're infamy um, and fame. And so, um, I started reading up again on just what Eccles said about himself and how he portrays himself. And part of it, what was really fascinating is that, particularly while he was in prison, he essentially wrote what I call the diary of a possessed man, right? He wrote, he would keep diaries, and therein he was very, very, very open about how he was becoming increasingly possessed, straight up. I mean, there's just no other way to, to put it, and I'm not exaggerating. That's just what he did. He just gives examples, you know, and... Um, uh, interestingly enough, he would talk about trying to take in whatever little extra nutrition he could uh, to prepare his body for the possession, the, like full-on possession. And that's something I've heard from others as well who are in that kind of situation. And interestingly enough, there's a movie that stars Johnny Depp called Secret Window. And one of the deleted scenes from that movie is where you can see him kind of um, trying to take better care of his body. He gets braces, he's eating better, he's exercising, and it's all part of becoming possessed, right? Um, in the movie, there's basically an antagonistic character who doesn't really exist. It's all... It's all in his mind, or rather, it's all a, a demonic situation. Hmm. And so that was really interesting. 
but that that Eccles would be saying that in in real life, and that's sort of a known thing that when somebody's uh, pretty much aware that they're getting possessed and they're not necessarily <laughs> against it <laughs> because they're asking for it literally, then they have to prepare their bodies for you know what a shock to the system that sort of thing is. And so right. he, he said once, like I'm eating Kool Aid to prepare for my transformation. Right. So basically anything he could get in prison, any extra little thing that he could shove down his gullet, he would. And um, unfortunately, since my website is down, I, I can't access all of the articles that I had posted about him and this issue in particular, because uh, I left all the legalist, legalist stuff or legal stuff to you. I was uh, totally focused on writing articles about how he was portraying himself, the things he was saying about himself. And this is the kind of stuff he was saying. And then his interests are absolutely just uh, what we would very generally call occult, you know, witchcraft and um, all kinds of things related to sorcery and spells and you name it. I mean, it's all, it's all under the big top for him. So at one point I had put together a whole bunch of images, um, some just being nothing but screenshots of things that Eccles himself would post on his own Twitter page, right? So that's how he's communicating to, to the world, literally worldwide web. And if you recall, by the way, his fan base, which he called the Chupacabras, you remember that? Yeah, very much. Yeah, so basically he's referring to his fans as, you know, blood-sucking entities. <laughs> right, blood-sucking wow. nighttime entities of myth, right? Uh, yeah. And, um, and then some of this also has to do with me, you know, putting some images together that were more along the lines of, of speculation and whether there were these correlations between things that I personally noticed. So we're going to go through some of this in like a slideshow style. And you remember, William, that you and I did a show on the FBI agent's report on yeah, satanic Lanning, yeah. crime? Yeah, Ken Lanning, the Lanning report. Uh, yeah, Kenneth, uh, yeah. Yeah, Ken Lanning, and that Lanning. was that was a pretty interesting show we did, and we got some some good uh, feedback on it. And uh, so, does the creepy imagery and the occult practices mean that Eccles is guilty? Of course not. I mean, that's what I'm saying. This isn't that kind of show. That's another issue altogether. And this is just about him. So, like for instance, we've had this first image on the screen for a long time, and well, I mean, I know I'm not, you know. Uh, posting this kind of stuff on my Twitter feed unless I were doing it to say, wow, this is really creepy, horrible stuff. <laughs> but he's making right, it a habit. Of, this is for comment and, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's basically making it a habit of traveling around wherever he goes, um, posting photographs of really creepy, disturbing, demonic stuff. That's like his appears to be some level of obsession, right? Right. Very much so. Like it's, uh, it's, he's very consistent, I would say. Yeah. 
yeah, you, you won't get confused about uh, his interest. Like, he won't suddenly be posting um, the latest cupcakes he baked. Well, unless the cupcakes were like topped with skull-shaped frosting or something. <laughs> so why don't you go to the next one? All right, let's do it. These are for commentary and criticism. We're, we're commenting and criticizing. Yeah. So do you want to read the uh, captions there? Yeah, sorry. Uh, the image from Damien Eccles' Twitter page compared to Baphomet. So this woman is making the above, as above, so below sign, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so this is just me noticing, hey, I recognize that pose, you know. I don't know who she is or what she thought she was doing, but to Eccles, that was something significant enough to post it. Right. And, you know. People like William and I, we recognize what he's trying to portray through that, right. I mean, which in this case is the, <clears throat> um, the Elephus Levy Baphomet, right? And that yeah. also, his buddy Marilyn Manson has that solvent coagula tattooed on his arm too, just like Baphomet. Yeah, and that solvent coagula, that, um, oh, I'm going to take us in a weird direction, but I'm sure you've heard of that uh, TV. Well, <laughs> I'm dating myself. I was going to say TV show, right? Now I have to say something like uh, Wi-Fi streaming service or something, right? Right. <laughs> right. On what, what show were you going to say? Um, Breaking Bad. Right. So, what about um, I, yeah, I, did a, I included it in one of my books. And what I pointed out is that that is a show about mystical alchemy disguised as a show about scientific chemistry. And in the very first episode of the show, when Walter White is still a science teacher, what he's explaining to his class, he's teaching chemistry, and he's talking exactly about um, solvents and coagulants. Um, That's exactly what he's talking to them about. And, and so the, the way that ties into mystical alchemy is that that's the whole point, is to sort of um, cause a death of the personality and then have a alleged, you know, mystical rebirth. And that's what happens to Walter White to, through the process of that show. He goes from being a respectable science teacher, you know, as respectable as he is, to becoming a producer of methamphetamine, you know, I mean, uh, where there's all kinds of death and murder and craziness around him all the time, uh, to the point where he reaches the stage where he's just very nihilistic and very stoic, like his personality completely changed. And so that's what that show was about behind everything else. That's what it was about. And it's a ton of, symbolism in that show incidentally some of it pretty blatant like there's a time where he's uh perched oh yeah there's a time some of it's just so blatant that there's a time he that in the show he's purchasing a certain um liquid chemical mm -hmm. and he's like oh you know you brought me 665 gallons where's the other one okay it doesn't take oh. a mathematician to figure out right i mean it's so obvious uh <laughs> And so this uncommon. is, I think, what... That's not uncommon. They do that in uh, Stranger Things all the time, the word game, 77. Which yeah. we'll talk about soon. Right, 11. Yeah, 11. 11, 11, yeah. L. Absolutely. 
Yeah, it's very, um, very telling. So, and, yeah, I'm, and, I'm, and convinced, that's just, I'm convinced when they definitely listened to one of my talks before they wrote that first, that first Stranger Things, no question, because they have the smiley face. They've got all that stuff. The 77s, the 11s, they've got it all integrated, and the imagery of this case, the imagery of the West Memphis Three. All the way to season four. I didn't watch season three, but it's all that stuff. I should probably show some of my other pictures, but yeah, like it's the same. Yeah, you should. That'd be interesting to do a if you could do a show about that. That'd actually be really interesting. I'll have to put it together. Yeah. But now a little background. Again, if I had my website, I would direct you to certain articles. But basically, um, what I found interesting is Eliphas Levi. He claims that this illustration is from an ancient idol. I have not been able to track that down, but I am aware that the Baphomet has a twin mirror image, and literally a mirror image, right? It's uh, The hand positions are reversed, and it's a much more simplistic illustration. It's almost just like a line drawing, and he called it Azima, A-Z-I-M-A. And there is an idol mentioned in the Bible, although in English Bibles is generally spelled um, A-S-H-I-M-A. Of course, it doesn't describe what it looked like, but uh, anyhow, if anybody ever looks up uh, Azima idol or whatever in uh, a search engine, actually, they'll probably end up finding stuff I posted about it. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, there's that one. So why don't we go to the next one? Let's do it. So, I mean, it's kind of like I said, he, he's traveling around and just you can literally see through his eyes the kind of things he's noticing, like this magic theater. Right? I'm sure. I don't know what it is. I would imagine it's just a good old fashioned movie theater. But to him, what stands out is that it's called magic. And as we both know very well, William, it's to point out that it's magic with a K, right? Right, right. What number letter is that in the alphabet? Uh, between 10 and 12, I think. <laughs> you do the math, audience. <laughs> you do the math. Uh, one following 10. <laughs> and, <clears throat> and then what's the other one? Like uh, ravenous wolves, right? I mean, I don't know where these are from, um, he, but this is kind of like... Like I said, getting an idea of how this guy's thinking and the things he's noticing. Oh, Don't forget the full moon there, right? The, yeah, the suggestion yeah, is that these are lycanthropy or werewolves, full moon. Right, so this, this it would be like werewolves. So another, guess what? Another uh, mystical transformation, <laughs> another destruction of the self and a styled rebirth of into something completely different, a different characteristic different personality different everything it's like a corrupt form of a, the concept of being born again is you're born into something that's well certainly not what you were before and certainly not uh better in any kind of um commonsensical way that you would imagine a person would be reborn this is always like uh reborn into the well uh, bottom line is that uh, paganism, by any other name, ultimately always breaks down to blood and sex. It's inevitable. Blood and sex, that's all it is. 
Oh, what is it? Uh, what's the word? Thanateros? Thanateros? Death and sex? Mm-hmm. The of Thanateros? Yeah. Yep, that's the truth. Do you want to explain this one? Yep. I mean, all we're doing at this point is just still continuing to see what he's posting on his Twitter page. And here we have a tarot from their three different decks, including uh, apparently one made into uh, some kind of a pie or a cookie. And, and even the person on the the magician on the tarot card is in a Baphomet-like pose. You notice that? Yeah. Yeah. And then um, some kind of certificate that apparently was about to be granted to him. No, that's one that he's granting out. The crimson. Oh, it's Lotus his. That's the, right. It's his it own. Salem, yeah. That's right. And you see there, by the way, um, and the certificate that he hands out for tarot, and it says the Crimson Lotus School of Magic and Tarot. And this time it's magic with a CK. So he's basically initiating people into whatever he calls magic and also tarot. And there at the bottom right, you have the and the symbol that we're going to get to. You notice that? That's the one on the, the back yep. tattoo. Yeah. Okay. So we'll get to that. I do. That's it. So the sun, the black sun motif, whatever you want to call yeah. it. The tarot, the magician. I don't know what that cake is. I hope it's not a cake of light. That's clearly Yeah, it would be bad. So um, again, more more fun stuff that he finds. Um, little stamps, uh, ink stamps of the uh, Ouija boards and all kinds of creepy things, including um, you know uh, peanuts, Happy Halloween lunchbox. Right. And I think these are all kind of in his Salem Salem days, I think. These right, because at one point he did move to Salem, Massachusetts, in order to be like in the hub of witchcraft of, our, of the country, you know. Although, honestly, uh, I think the country's gone very much the way of witchcraft by any other name, occultism by any other name. It's uh, a lot more rampant nowadays, but that's where he wanted to be. Right, that's where he wanted to be. I mean, that tells you something about him right then and there. Right, he identified so, with the witch persecutions. So yeah, right. So that yeah, it's holding the skull. That's like the old Hamlet motif, right? So, yeah, York, dear York, and then here's Eccles with all his pals. Yeah, why don't you read that? Damien Eccles and some supporters, including Dave Navarro, Alan Horn, the Warner Brothers president, Henry Rollins, Peter Jackson, etc. And um, so again, um, some of this stuff is speculative and just some of it is just showing. Um, I don't know what it means when somebody stands next to somebody and they get a picture together. It might be like, oh, I met this cool guy or, oh, that's a celebrity. Or it might be like, hey, we're in on this thing, Gabish. We've got it at Costa Nostra going. Right. I mean, who knows? Uh, <laughs> well, you're the one who sent me that picture of Peter Jackson with the Echo stop. That yeah, that's coming up. That's coming up. I was going to, yeah. So that, that shows you that that's a pretty close relationship because um, I don't have any tattoos, nor will I. 
Um, and I'm certainly not going to get one because of some guy I just randomly met for a little bit. You've got to have a kind of a closer relationship than that, I would imagine, to to basically scar your body for life, you know. Yeah. Um, one of the big supporters of Eccles while he was still in jail and financers was Peter Jackson. He was yeah. uh, apparently one of the real financial backers. So. And next to Jackson is Amy Burke. She is the director of west of memphis or helped out make that interesting piece of film i won't call it a documentary but that piece of film and she there's like infamously she was on the view with these two and talked about the prehistoric uh, turtle prehistoric beasts who came out and attacked the children i mean it's that's off the charts next wow. slide yeah you don't, have you seen that video I'll, I'll, I'll that does not sound I'll, familiar. Yeah. Okay, I'll bring it up. Yes, yeah, it's send that along. I, I sure okay. So this is another one, Damien Eccles with Eddie Vedder of the band Pearl Jam, then another one with Marilyn Manson, Satanist and musician, and then another one with Genesis P. Orge, the Satanist, transhumanist artist and member of the process of the final judgment, among other groups, Toby. Yes. Um, like, Sonic Youth and all that, right? Robbing Russell. Yeah. Friends with Peter Christofferson. Yeah. Yeah. These are done. This is a very dark person. That's a very, very dark person right there. Uh, Genesis P. Orge. Yeah. And um, so I don't know. I mean, you'd kind of wonder what is Damien Eccles doing getting around so much that he can basically walk into a place and he's the, uh, you know, celebrity du jour. And that's what really these other celebrities turned him into. They turned him into a celebrity by backing him, and they made it so that basically um, he can go to concerts that are being put uh, performed in his benefit and all kinds of, you name it, all kinds of events where he can just easily become the headliner just by showing up, you know. Right. And you show something in these pictures too, right? Let's see the next. Yeah. We'll get up to the next one, but yeah. yeah. Um, here's another one. This is Dave Navarro and Johnny Depp wearing Egyptian onks. Note the occult number thirteen tattoo. Also, also tattoo stating "I am alone" and "I am utterly alone," which is a quote from the movie Beetlejuice, wherein it is stated by a character played by Winona Ryder, who's the goddaughter of Timothy Leary and also a West Memphis Three supporter. The drug guru who claimed to be continuing the work of Alistair Crowley, who's a friend of Genesis P. Orridge. There appears to be 66, 666 degrees of separation. Really, very true. <laughs> you like that, huh? <laughs> yeah. And this is what I mean by who knows. I mean, maybe some of this is much ado about nothing, but I was just pointing out things that I noticed. And I mean, when, when you have a body full of symbolism, a literal body where you've tattooed symbolism, then yeah, someone like me is going to come along and go, huh, you know, I wonder what that is. <laughs> so I am under the alone. That's, that's in Beetlejuice, but I thought, wasn't there like a, didn't he have some kind of reference to Allison? Uh, no, not Allison Wonderland. I could have sworn Navarro, Navarro had some other statement of, uh, What's the one with the Wicked Witch of the West? Uh, Wizard of Oz. I thought he had some oh. Wizard of Oz statement, but maybe not. I don't maybe. I, I I have not explored his entire body, I must admit. <laughs> I'll tell you. So I'll tell you my story. I'll tell you about Navarro off. off. Mm. 
he was actually interviewed by uh, Isaac Weishaupt. Oh, okay. Oh, I remember that. It was yeah. actually, I don't know if Isaac interviewed him, but he interviewed Isaac. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. Yeah, they no, were, definitely. I remember that. I remember he interviewed Isaac for sure. Okay, yeah. So on Damien Varrell from the band Jane's Addiction is another Damien Eccles supporter, is another Damien Eccles supporter and shares many of the same tattoos and themes. Yeah, and I mean, um, so there you go, a bunch of um, those symbols vary just slightly. There's one, well, most of them are called the Il Cornuto or Devil's Horns, you know, and course if you're in texas then that apparently means that you're a fan of some kind of college football team but not everybody doing that in these sort of contexts is saying hey i'm a fan of a football team <laughs> right i don't think that this is in the, the sportsman uh <laughs> something else is definitely going on with dave navarro Dave Navarro into taking Kavadi, quote, taking Kavadi, a ritual that comes from Kavadi Atam, which is a ceremonial worship of the Hindu god of war and victory, Murugan, a.k.a. Kartikeya. The ritual involves transcending physical pain to gain some form of enlightenment. Here, Navarro is seen hanging from hooks, piercing his skin, and pierced with metal-tipped feathers. Yeah, this is... Um very typical of not just this ritual, but um, yoga in particular, especially the more extreme forms of yoga where the positions are very demanding on the body. The whole point of which is to try to get a person to uh, quote unquote realize or recognize that they are a transcendent being so that they seek to overcome the pain and just kind of um, recognize that the pain is happening to the body, but the person isn't the body, right? The person is the spirit or soul. And I mean, there's a lot of truth in that, but it's like the way they go about it is to traumatize the body, to bring about this kind of enlightenment that um, there's, there's something beyond. And so really it's another form of mystical alchemy like we talked about before. This is just more, much more hands-on right so the yoga is the same basic principle is is you're straining your body to the point of recognizing that you're something beyond it so when people say you know yoga is just stretching well then why do you call it yoga why do you do what yogis do if you're just stretching just stretch but, but it's not about that you know There's not the original purpose that. the original purpose was to exhaust the body so you could leave it and communicate yeah. with the gods that's what right. that whole last thing is. I mean, it's been been westernized and nobody really. Yeah, nobody absolutely. Really Indian, but yeah. Right. But I mean, and and the original yoga is kind of you had these spiritual gifts. You had like energy powers and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, all kinds of mantras and all kinds of stuff. And that's why I was saying that maybe at one point Salem was the hub of occultism in America, but now it's widespread. And I think uh, yoga is one of our national religions right now, straight up. Yeah, no doubt. Here in LA, it's all over the place. Yeah, of course. Dave Navarro's Gustav Klimt inspired tattoo on one arm dichotomized in true occult faction with the Catholic Lady of Guadalupe tattoo on the other. His version of Klimt's painting has a skull at bottom and the other to dichotomize the angel at the bottom of the lady image. 
So you see this kind of like. Scroll. Oh, you know what? Sorry, I guess I have a typo there. It should read painting has a skull at bottom in order to dichotomize. Ah, I see. I got you. The angel oh, at the bottom. So, so like they change the motif, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's almost like a life and death thing, right? Um, and although you notice the Klimt painting has a lot of crosses all over it. Right. And the, the Our Lady of Guadalupe imagery, man, that is a whole entire story all, all, all its own because that is an alleged apparition of supposed Mary that conveniently happened originally at the site of an abandoned Aztec temple to uh, some kind of a goddess. Okay, and so this uh, being, uh, if it ever even happened, this being appears to Juan Diego and says, hey, I want the sanctuary built right here to me. And unfortunately, you know, he wasn't savvy enough to say, and who on earth do you think you are that we're going to build a sanctuary to you? The Lord rebuke you, you know? <laughs> and so allegedly... Um, these roses miraculously grew and he plucked them and picked them up and put them in his tilma, right? His like a robe-like vestment. And when mm -hmm. he dropped them in front of the priest, all of a sudden that image had appeared on the tilma miraculously. And mm -hmm. um, you see, she's standing on the moon. Oddly enough, it's a, it's a crescent moon, which is supposed to be white, but I don't know why, for some reason it's black. And that, takes my mind to Revelation chapter 12, where there's a vision of a woman um, with the sun on her, at her head and the moon at her feet. Interesting. So, yeah, I mean, there's this, I mean, either way you look at it, this is just straight up occultic because you can't really associate whatever that is with the actual historical Mary, mother of Jesus. There's just no way, period. <laughs> gotcha. West Memphis 3, support Ware and Damien Eccles at arrest and during trial. Yeah. So you giving us the old, uh... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this was a cottage industry. You could purchase all kinds of um, clothing and paraphernalia to show your support for multiple times convicted child murderers. Yeah. There you go. And then this is another one. Eccles' mother, Damien Eccles' mother, took these pictures of him just before his arrest. It may be some form of four directions ritual, which is a common part of ceremonial occultism. That may be very true. That may be true. Um, they said that he, the, she said that he was afraid that they were going to beat him up. So they took these pictures just to have something from before. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that, that's what at least their, their rationale is. And I did a whole uh, article you can see on my website about Eccles and the Pentagram. So you can, you oh, can't. Yeah, I was going yeah, to mention that. Yeah. Yeah, I think it might be coming up here. Uh, honestly, so I should maybe mention that I had posted these images on a website and then all of them got deleted. I actually haven't seen this, these in many years it's one of a handful of websites where I posted stuff and it got completely destroyed. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see them in ten. I haven't seen them in ten years either. I had a copy of them, but 
Uh, no, what happened? I remember what happened. They were somewhere else, and I downloaded them all. Oh. I just kept copies of them. Yeah, I'm glad you did, because as far as I knew, they were gone. Yeah. Do you want Except to talk about I, the Pentagram? Yeah, I think, I think a long time ago, I posted a video that's just a slideshow without me even saying anything, just to show them, if I remember correctly, on my YouTube channel. But yeah, I think uh, if, if the if the chess pentagram doesn't come up, I guess we'll mention it. But apparently it appears as if at one point or another, he had some kind of, he had carved or ta very lightly tattooed a pentagram um, on his chest. And you can vaguely see it in this picture. I did a whole article on it. Yeah. Amy Knuckles in the pentagram. You can see it on my website under kind of where my articles are. But he talked about it in court. So they asked him about the pentagram. He admitted to putting it on his chest, but he said it was an upward-facing pentagram. But the way that I looked at it, the way the dots are, you can't really see the lines, but the, you can vaguely see the dots. And if you connect them together, it's a downward-facing yeah. pentagram. Frankly, I think that whole upward-facing versus downward-facing, I think that's just a scam, honestly. Interesting. Like it's still, you know either way you look at it, it's occultic, right? Well, because, um, boy, if I would have thought of this ahead of time, I would have illustrated it. But you think about a upward-facing pentagram, right? So that is a five-pointed star. And then what is a pentagon? Well, that's a five-sided shape. So within a pentagram, there's a pentagon, right? That's the center part. Right. Right. Okay, so if you take an upward-facing pentagram, and then within the pentagon, you draw lines between the five points. Guess what? It forms an upside down pentagram. Right. Uh, but then within that upside down pentagram, if you do the same thing, you, you'll end up drawing a, a right side up pentagram. And within that, there's an upside down pentagram. And it's like fractal geometry. It just goes on forever. Upside down, right side up. Upside down, right side up. Just eternally. So to me, that's why I'm saying it's a scam because the the one is the other and the other is the one. They're all they're all mashed together. They're the same. Right. Then you know you got all your celebrity eye symbols and all that stuff. All you know what's age. funny is uh, way back many 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 years ago when people were were first starting to put these collages together, I thought ah you know. I mean, I'm sure that all of us have sat around at one time or another and did something like that, even without realizing it. And someone takes a snapshot and they think you're trying to make a symbol. But then I because back in my day, my, you know, my teenage years, it was all about heavy metal and death metal and black metal. And, and I thought, I'm going to research some of those guys because I'm sure everyone's been doing the same kind of stuff. And they weren't. <laughs> I don't know what on earth happened to pop stars and celebrities where they started getting creepier than the, you know, death metal and black metal guys I used to listen to back in the day. What on earth happened? Yeah, they're creepier. They're definitely creepier. There's Eccles with his thumbs. I did a whole article on Eccles with the, you know, the horns of pan. That's the, yeah. that's what Crowley's little hand gesture here is. Yeah, and I mean, you could say, okay, maybe he's got a weird habit where he sticks his thumbs out, but when it's just happening repeatedly, um, it's all too easy considering his interests. 
that maybe he's just doing something very purposeful and has been for decades, of course, incidentally, get the point. I mean, you look at the photo of him as a mere teenager and now as an adult male, quite a few decades after the fact, he's still the same guy doing the same stuff uh, with the same interests. Damien Eccles with Mahes, a.k.a. Mijos, my sis. Mijos, Mahes, and Mahes, Egyptian god of war, name means, quote, he who is true beside her. Also in keeping with e Egyptian... Come on, you dummy. Yeah, they're coming after you, William. I'm like oh, on a major oh. <laughs> Also in keeping with Egyptian god imagery, Eccles has been seen in hear no evil, speak no evil, see no evil, close with friends. He chose... Okay. He chose to speak no part in this and keep silent. The Greek god Harpocrates was borrowed from the Egyptian form of the child Horus. Silence ensures the keeping of mystery of religion, secret society, knowledge away from the hoi polloi. Or ahoy polloi, as they say in Caddyshack. <laughs> oh, is that, is that right? In Caddyshack. Yeah, there's a sequence where the caddy shows up at the club and Spalding walks over to him and says, ahoy polloi. <laughs> the, the booger eating kids falling yeah well just for those who don't know and that is an extremely obscure phrase hoi polloi <laughs> but uh, i tend like to, old english right isn't it like yeah i don't know where i got it from but I, I i bust it out every now and then it's basically just referring to the common person you know the great unwashed masses and all of that <laughs> it's a super snobby term by <laughs> You know, I can't help it. I love the term hoi polloi. Yeah. So anyway, there's Eccles, the sign of Hippocrates, sign of silence. I think I did another article about him in the sign of silence. Yeah, like he's did. got them all down. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, here David again, um, you know, you see that um, famous depiction from the Sistine Chapel of Adam, um, and Eccle, uh, well, Crowley in one of his uh, supposed yoga style poses, because he did a whole book about yoga, incidentally, um, seeming to take that same kind of pose and Eccles looking to be, you know, chilling out. But um, to me, uh, quite obviously trying to strike a very particular pose. Yes, indeed. Slide 19. Silence is an important concept for quotes. You want to say something? No, I was going to say, there you go, what you were just yeah, talking about. Silence is an important concept for occult secret societies, mystery religion. Damien Eccles, Rihanna, Alistair Crowley, and some idols in various versions of expressing the point of keeping the occult occult. Keeping secret, hidden, knowledge, secret, and hidden. Tattoo on Johnny Depp state silence, exile, cunning from James, James Joyce's book, Portrait of the Artist as a Young Man. There in the point of the phrase is, quote, I will try to express myself in some mode of life or art as freely as I can and as holy as I can using for my defense the only arms I will allow myself to use, silence, exile, and cunning. And that is Crowley in his magical garb and outfit, making the sign of silence under the start, what is it, the, something of Horus, the wings of Horus. Yeah, like uh, fly, flying disc. There's a lot yeah. of terms for it. Yeah. And that one, uh, one thing of Echo's sign of silence, he's doing that right in front of Piers Morgan on the Piers Morgan show. Mm -hmm. so this is a huge inside kind of joke for these guys. So. Told you. Cosa Nostra Gavish. Yeah, there it is. And so he's making these like Masonic gestures. These are from Masonic handbooks, right? Right. That's what he's showing there. 
and this is Eccles from the Golden Gods. I think this is 2012. Sorry, Damien Nichols speaking at Revolver Magazine's Golden Gods Award. He was introduced by Marilyn Manson, 2012. Um, so that's interesting. And then we've got the Unicursal Hexagram, Sigil of Alistair Crowley's Thelemic Order of the Golden Dawn, composed of two lightning bolts. Lightning is a popular cult symbol due to Jesus having stated, quote, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven, unquote, Luke 10, 18. And that the actual Unicursal Hexagram was invented by Crowley is my understanding. Yeah, from what I recall, he wanted a hexagram, uh, but that wasn't disconnected. So if you look at a typical hexagram, that's a six-pointed star, it's really made up of two triangles. So by definition, you're mashing together two separate geometrical shapes where he wanted to draw one that was continuous. So you can, that's why you can follow the lines and they just kind of are eternal, right? They go one into the other and back again. Yeah, it is. And that's that uh, diagram or whatever the Thelemic Order of Golden Dawn picture that you have on there has the five pointed pentagram within the six pointed hexagram. So that's the yeah. microcosm, macrocosm, five and six, you know, the. The number of magic, the number of the magician, all that stuff. Oh man, what is five plus six? Uh, I don't know. know this. I think it's between <laughs> ten and twelve. <laughs> so back to I'm gonna have to remember that line of yours. It's between <laughs> ten and twelve. <laughs> Dave Navarro's Alistair Crowley Universal Hexagram. This version contains a hidden upside-down pentagram in the form of a Rosicrucian flower. Right, but there's the five yeah, again, the so five and the six, right? Yeah. Right. And that, uh, I think the rosy cross, that's the secret meaning of the cross, right? The rose on the cross means the rose of something like it on the dead cross of Christianity, right? There's a very mm. negative meaning there, if I remember correctly. All right, we're only at 23. We're talking too much. We can, we got another 60 to go. All through. right, go for it. Just read and then... He's yeah, the guy from a source of ancient Egypt, a drawing of young Eccles within a symbol of Alistair Crowley related to... to Ordo Templi Orientis, right? So there and we go. He has it on his hat, uh, infamous hat. Yeah. Right. And that's the differenti differentiation from some Christian symbols, which has the eye and the triangle. The Crowley eye is the eye, of course. So it's just some people say, oh, there's this old church in, you know, uh, somewhere German. in Europe. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's, it's a different meaning. That's the raw, right. that's the lawman of the OTO on the left. I have Horus in the triangle, and that is total sexual magic symbolized by the dove going into the chalice, and you can figure out what that means. Mm -hmm. Eccles, the Egyptian Ankh, a.k.a. Crux Ansata, is a symbol of life, symbolic of life, sometimes shown as an ostrich feather fan behind a pharaoh. In occult symbolism, it denotes fertility, male cross, and female serpent. And notice, by the way, how I believe this is before and after initially the bottom of the ankh was like a shape of a blade, a knife, you know, something that would pierce. And then apparently he had it filled in to make it more traditional for some reason. Like what do they call that? Uh, uh, the witch? Oh, maybe. Uh, yeah, there you go. Go ahead. I was just going to say, note to before and after, it seems to be styled as an athame, athame, a ceremonial dagger, and later styled as more of an ankh. 
Example of usage in Egypt and by Alistair Crowley's OTO, Ordo Templi Orientis. And that's a, like a lesser known number right there. 777 is like a, it's like the electricity of the magic. And 418 is the number of total global illumination. So you'll see that on there. It's definitely full of cult, cult stuff. 13s. Yeah, because the 418 is the 13. Right there. Dragons symbolize various things to various cultures. Here's an example. Quote, the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child. As soon as it was born, Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. The dragon fought against and his angels. The great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. They worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast, and they worshipped the beast. Revelation 12, 4, 7, 9. Revelation 12, which I mentioned a little bit ago, right? So... <clears throat> Yeah, and then they have he and Eccles, Depp and Eccles have the same thing. It's the I Ching. Depp and Damien Eccles, Ching, Chinese divination hexagram made up with two trigrams. Depp stated, quote, I went to Disneyland with Damien of the West Memphis Three. He had just gotten out of jail. He wanted to see Disneyland, so I took him. Afterwards, we went and got tattoos together. That's my way of documenting things in my life, unquote. Eccles stated, quote, what this represents is... Whenever you're facing, facing huge obstacles, you don't focus on them or you'll lose heart and be defeated. Instead, focus on just putting one foot in front of the other, one step at a time, unquote. The hexagram made up of ground or wind or, and force or heaven. It means small accumulating taming power of the small, small harvest. I've heard people say that represents Lucifer as like the wind, god of wind, god of the air, lord of the air. Uh, I've heard that, that interpretation too. There's Crowley. Even here, there may be an Alistair Crowley influence as he wrote about Taoism and specifically the I Ching form of Lao Tzu's Tao Te Ching, Tao Te Ching. And there's his sigil magic. Sigil magic by Damien Knuckles on Twitter. That's the Theban alphabet. Those are all sigils. All right, you can read this one. <laughs> Johnny Depp and Damien Knuckles shared sigil tattoos. Eccles stated, quote, in the entire realm of ceremonial magic, there is nothing I love more than working with angelic energies. Quote, unquote, angelic, I would say. Often I would create a talisman to serve as a focal point of energy. Close quote. The Bible states, as we read before, okay, uh, so the Bible states Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. The tattoo includes the letters, referring to brotherhood, written in the Theban alphabet, a.k.a. Runes of Honorius. The two other sigils on the right sold for 13 smackaroos each. 1,300 buckaroos. Not bad. It's good money. Good money for making the, tat the little <laughs> uh, you know, tattoo symbol. Wow. I mean, that's not even He sold all kinds of different stuff. And this little alphabet, if you've seen the cover of my book, yeah. you'll know where that came from. That's where it's from. Yes. Damien Nichols uses the Theban script, Honorian alphabet, Runes of Honorius, which is alphabet. David Burrow also employed this script into a tattoo. This is what you found. I didn't know this. Yeah. That Damien, yeah, this is Peter Jackson. So, as reported, the tattoo artist was very hush-hush about the whole thing. Quote, it is understood that he and Eccles visited White Tiger Tattoos in Crow Lane on Tuesday to get tattoos. Tattoo shop owner Greg Burt 
confirmed the men were there and had tattoos done, but declined to give more details. It was kind of special. I'd like to respect them for it. More Damien Nichols and Johnny Depp share many of the same tattoos, such as the crow and solo rune, meaning self. The rune is also a zigzag Native American glyphs in relation to Depp having become a member of the Comanche tribe. It represents movement upon Mother Earth in connection with Father Sky, thus more male-female symbolism and fertility. The runes on the knuckles are difficult to read as they are letters and symbols. Eccles is generically stated, quote, runes on my fingers, symbols for protection, strength, insight, etc. Was this the inspiration for the crow tattoo? Maybe it looks kind of like it. The crow is kind of like a symbol of like omens and things like that in the occult. It has kind of a more symbolic. Um, we're only halfway through. This is an <laughs> him flowing a symbol into his autograph. This is interesting. You can see this lettering now he writes. These are a lot. Yeah, when he was on for Life After Death, he was signing all these things. Dave Navarro and Alistair Crowley in the Egyptian pose. Word in the hand of tattoos of Damien Eccles, Johnny Depp, and Dave Navarro. So they all have these like bird symbols. Yeah. Navarro's tattoos, that bird symbol looks much more like the one in the Crowley, you know, iconography oh, than, than theirs. That almost emulates uh, pictures of that I've seen in Crowley's. This symbol symbol, sorry, the symbol has become part of the popular tattoo, which may be a takeoff of the symbol from the Brave movie, which Johnny Depp had tattooed on himself, a movie that he directed. Compare with tattoos or compare with photos of the tattoo that Damien Eccles has tweeted. Yeah. And the X. Damien Eccles and Johnny Depp skeleton key tattoos which some think is the Harley-Davidson skeleton key. concept of the skeleton key is a key that will open many doors. So, yeah, that's... And his wife, Eccles' wife, wears that skeleton key stuff, too. Mm. Skeleton, skeleton key, key production. Key productions. I'm just trying to alleviate you. <laughs> Every now and then. Maybe we could just take turns. Perfect. Skeleton key production is a forum, forum created by some of Eccles' friends in order to display his writing and art. Thus, the signature glyph appears to be a stylized skeleton key. But what does it open? Good question. Hermetic Reiki, Damien Eccles, 2017, Essex Street, Salem, Massachusetts. So I think that's what he was running. Damien Eccles opened the Hermetic Reiki Center in Salem, Mass. He teaches meditation and Reiki, which means that he's laying on hands on people and imparting energy into them and incorporates Kabbalistic concepts. Kabbal sessions are only $130 per hour. <laughs> So Eccles moved from Salem, New York, and I think he's in Louisiana now. So I think, yeah. I think he left. He left New York. Oh, you know what? I'm seeing your logo on the top uh, right corner of my screen, so I can't read the, that full sentence right there. Hermetic means that uh, something is practicing a form of magic, employing the Esther Carly spelling which seeks to cause change via the usage of one's will. Note the reference to mind magic. At the Hermetic Reiki Center, he sells various crystals, ointments, herbs, etc. The symbol on the center includes two sets of sevens. Seven seven is a Corollian number, such as in Lieber 77. Yeah, so that's that symbol's there. Mind magic, nobody's ever really seen that book. It's out there. It's not, public hasn't seen it, so he does have private writings. All right. 
Jamie Nichols Hermetic Reiki Center, which practices mind magic, makes sense with his worldview as both Hermetic and Reiki for refer to manipulation of energy by means of exercising the will. Even the meditating Buddha imagery could be a veiled reference to Alistair Crowley. The middle portion of the design either is or made to appear to be a Chinese-style symbol compared with the middle portion of the Seal of Babylon. So that's what we talked about earlier, the plotting, the inward geometric design sigil hidden within the outer sun ray-like design in Alistair Crowley's Seal of Babylon. Note the various sevens. Right, so the long rays are seven, the short rays are seven, and the... Uh, it forms a seven-pointed star. Right. Seven on the inside, right? So it's seven, seven, seven. That has something to do with energy. I forgot what it was, but it definitely did. Demi Nichols' Hermetic Rigi symbol consists of seven long sunlight rays, seven short ones, 77 is the number of Dallas Crowley's magical system beyond the Lady Babylon. Seven and seven coming together is like the marriage of the beast in Babylon, too. In order to design it, one would plot the points at which large rays will appear and the intersections are where the short rays will appear. And then this is like all the different crosses and stuff. John D. Symbol. What's that guy's name? It's like a certain name, this symbol. It's the, not the Vitruvian. Oh, oh goodness. Oh, boy. I don't recall. It's called. It's definitely called. And then there's the double cross. Somebody says that outside design very similar to Godsmack. It wouldn't surprise me. Hmm. In turn, Alistair Crowley's Seal of Babylon is derived from the original 007 Queen Elizabeth's court occultist, John D. Double cross is popular in various forms and venues, such as the Nabisco logo and as used by satanic shock rocker King Diamond. Note the likenesses. The one on the right is a version of the double cross superimposed right side up and upside down. That's the Seal of Baphomet in the middle. Probably use that too. Right. See, there it is. Yeah, it comes up again. The Esther Crowley Baphomet symbol, uh, signature symbol version is also found within the Scottish Rite of Freemasonry's 33 degree regalia. Damien Eccles' various illustration of trees, some very similar, signed with a skeleton key adorned with a gleaming halo. He likes the moon too. There's the moon. Damien Eccles, Buddhism related illustrations. Oh, we'll skip this one. This is just basically <laughs> Kate Chesterson, the sleeping Buddha, as opposed to the wide, wide wake. And Chesterson. Right. So, yeah, bottom line is that uh, what, what those half master closed eyes represent is basically um, lack of connection to the real world, right? Just seeking to get beyond it. So, you're not really. Um, getting wrapped up in um, suffering, for instance, right? You're transcending it by just denying the reality of the real world. So cutting yourself right. off. Counter, you know, counter, counter states that against what the Christians are. They're always, it's looking out. They're always, their right. eyes are open, wide open. Then the garden, Eden. Yeah. yeah, all that tree imagery seems to correlate to the knowledge of the tree of the good uh, the tree of the knowledge of the good and evil and so the, various uh eastern you know saints buddy dharma and um again this is just all about transcendence and energy work right 
And this is his admiration for Danzig. He's a huge Danzig fan. Danzig fan, which has the upside down cross imagery. Satan is a magical sex with demons. Danzig cross is an upside down version of the cross on the back of Alistair Crowley's tarot card. It's also the cross of the cross of the Rosicrucians and Scientology. L. Ron Hubbard was a practitioner of Crowley magic. That is true. Some more correlations of Scientology to these magical orders. Yeah. I mean, my goodness, L. Ron Hubbard, there it is, the Golden Dawn. I mean, come on, <laughs> please. Right. I'm telling you that, right? And man, you're you're your own creation of salvation. Man can save himself, not God. Right? Yeah, and there's good old uh, Jack Parson. Parsons, yeah. That's who Crowley said was his number one most important uh, disciple. Damien Eccles' ritual notes. He's talking about stuff within the nine-foot circle, dry on the floor, Wiccan stuff, Thalme, Gardnery and stuff. And then you, I think you have, we're going to, we only got 20 left. But this charter document is very important. I put that into Children of the Beast. That's the charter Crowley gave Gardner, who's the, pretty much the founder of Wicca, Gerald Gardner. Yeah, yeah. Gardner, Gardner paid for that, and, and Crowley signed it Baphomet. So it's an important tie. A lot of the Wiccans don't even know that. They don't know the Crowley and tie, and uh, that's really saying something. Right. See, there it is. The charter was of the OTO order, Templi Orientis, or order of the Temple of the East Order of the Oriental Templars. Yeah, a bunch of guys uh, establishing a magical order that now people think is all about woman power or whatever. Right. It's not in this world, a bunch of writing. Yeah, Eccles really old early stuff, you know, um, about, well, the typical stuff, you know, blood and Satanism by any other name. More drawings, things that he yeah. had, pictures, things. There's the cross with all the stuff yeah. on it. Probably good Glenn Danzig's cross. Who knows? There's the other drawing that sacrifice people. A lot of people have seen it. And see, now go back a second. That top right drawing, you can see why we were think that there was a pentagram on his chest because what he's showing you is that even if he's just drawing a bunch of dots, he's illustrating a pentagram. Very true. There's like bookstore receipts. All kinds yeah, of this was trial evidence of Eccles. That was actually, there you go. The green man joins a goddess for spring fertility rites. Do you want to read that? Damien Eccles has illustrated much moon symbolism. Here he is visiting the statue of the fictional witch Samantha from the TV show Bewitched as she flies on a broom with moon imagery. Damien Eccles has produced illustrations of Anubis and Troth. Anubis is the image of blah, 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 blah. I'm not going to read all that. There's some of this stuff. I got to wrap this yeah. up. I got only have an hour. Yeah, so yeah, there's yeah. a lot more here. There's his Crowley reference. There he is with Ozzy Osbourne and Iomi. Um, 
But yeah, you did a lot of work, man. A lot of really great work. Yeah. So kudos to you. But here's yeah. somebody wanted me to mention this. This is the article in the OTO that mentions Eccles. So this is the official, or it says on the cover, Agape is the official organ of the U.S. Grand Lodge for Ordo Templi Orientis. Agape and Gematria. This Crowley system is a 93, very important thing to remember. Um, so this is all like, this is the national paper that went out. What date is that? November 1st, 2006, Era Vulgaris. And on that is... SK 931 and introduction. So that goes all into Crowley. He talks about Griffiths, all these other people. It has all the like propaganda about the case, but it's all in there. But it basically, the core um, sentence says, knowing that the state of Arkansas would be combing over every detail in his book and letters for evidence of his involvement in the satanic cult, he chose to allow himself outed as a Thelemite within our community at great personal risk. He has chose to become a, become registered with the OTO prison ministry. So he registered with the OTO prison ministry and knows what the Lemite or the word Thelemite is. So, uh, that's from their own writing. And a very few, if any, I don't even know if any other real researcher covered that at all. So you can look it up, SK31. Any questions, anybody? Anybody? Any, uh, where, where can people find your I stuff, Ken? Can, uh, new book. And 931 is a 13 also. What? Uh, where can people find your books? Oh, nowadays it's as simple as just uh, go to Amazon and type up Kenami, uh, two M's, A-M-M-I. And uh, they're, they're also another book platform. So maybe just hit a search engine, right? You know, search for Kenami books and you can You'll have enough books to um, last you for years. <laughs> right. There's lots of writing. You can learn on so many, many different subjects. You've done film analysis, cinema analysis, uh, theological analysis. We did one on Theo Sci-Fi, so that's an interest. All the interest about Nephilim, how important that supposedly is to some of these other researchers. Yeah. So there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of very trenchant, timely information and knowledge that you can get. You know, you can avoid a lot of the pitfalls, uh, theological pitfalls. Reading your stuff, I would definitely say that for sure. So. Oh well, thank you. That's that means a lot, and I would certainly hope so. <laughs> yeah, neither. Well, I, I would think for sure. At least you can stay away from like the Nephilim stuff. Ask Ken. Ken, have you ever seen a movie called Neon Demon? Oh, um, I have. Um, if, if I recall correctly, it all comes down to um, cannibalism and the uh, modeling industry, or at least it comes down to that because they're so vicious and brutal in their climb to the top that they just transcend, you know, basic human behavior and uh, turn to murder and mayhem <laughs> just to, to get ahead. If I remember correctly, it's been many, many years. Stars Elfie. Oh, well, thank you so much. Yeah. Um, he says he likes when I speak about um, stuff and angels. And yeah, that's one of my 
I call it systematic biblical paranormology. That's what I try to specialize in. And if you get me started on that, forget about it. We'll be going 10 hours. Yeah, I unfortunately yeah, have on demon also. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know. It's a Netflix We're movie done. called Dark Song. No, it's an occult ritual movie. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Now, I will say Dark Song uh, has a nice redemptive ending. I do like that. I'm not sure I like, I know for sure I don't like how they got there. <laughs> but at least it's redemptive in the end. I'll have to look that up. Um, Ken definitely is, if you see my films with like smiley faces all over Hollywood, a lot of those are from his research. <laughs> he sends me all kinds of stuff from uh, Flash. <laughs> hey, you know, yeah, if you want to do a, a five-hour show, we'll just sit here and show a slideshow of all those smiley faces. Oh. Oh. <laughs> That would be grueling. It would be much longer than this. Like, yeah, I'm glad that we had this. There's a lot of elements of this whole case. This, All these slides are over like eight or nine years old. So a lot yeah. has happened since this, but they're dated. But you can still get insights into some of these esoteric cult concepts, symbols, ideas, their theology, their ideology. So I think it's, mm -hmm. it's worthwhile for people to know that. So at least they're kind of aware of what they're being exposed to at certain times. But definitely during, um, you know, movies and things like that, people are talking about this stuff. Full sex magic. Got anything else to add before we wrap it up, Ken? No, just uh, it's been a pleasure speaking likewise. with you and your audience again, as usual. Make yeah, it bless you all. All right, cool. Have a good one, Ken. Take care. All right, we're done. Okay. Bye.